Our text is going to come from Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Please hear these words. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. May this reading add a blessing to your soul. At some point, each of us deals with being discontent. When you're discontent, you're dissatisfied with circumstances, situations, and people. When we are feeling discontent, sometimes we can't put it into words, but we engage in behaviors as a result of our restlessness. Sometimes when I'm experiencing discontent and restlessness, I like to engage in a little retail therapy. <laughs> My therapeutic stores are TJ Maxx and Target. <laughs> and when I'm in my therapeutic stores, I aimlessly walk up and down the aisles and somehow things on the shelves end up in my basket. And somehow I walk out with bags that I don't know how I ended up with multiple bags and I put them in my car. For a brief moment, I feel great but the temporary satisfaction is quickly replaced yet again with dissatisfaction. As a Christian, I wrestle, with the, I wrestle with the restlessness in my heart, and sometimes this struggle can be very overwhelming. Perhaps you've heard of restless leg syndrome, and this is a condition in which the legs twitch and contract, typically when a person is sleeping or resting or they're not being active. To pacify the sensations, the person has to move around to make the sensations a little bit less. Well, there is something that I like to call restless heart syndrome, but it happens in the heart or soul. Its primary symptom is discontent. We find that we are never satisfied with anything, and the moment we acquire something, we are looking for something else to take its place. Discontent can actually be a good thing. There is a certain uneasiness God intended us to have. Our hearts were wired so that when we would not be satisfied with certain things, it would cause us to seek the one who can truly satisfy us. We are meant to yearn for a relationship with God, to cultivate a deeper prayer life, to pursue justice and holiness with increasing fervor, to love others more, to grow in grace and character and wisdom with each passing day. 
As you know, our denomination is in a huge state of discontent. The past couple of years, we have been inundated with conversations, meetings, actions, and inactions. Regardless of where you fall on this issue, you cannot deny the displeasure on how we treat some of our brothers and sisters has caused people to become more active in their churches. While it pain and pains and burdens me that we have brothers and sisters who are being left outside of the circle of inclusion, one cannot ignore those who have become passionate about pursuing justice and holiness for those who cannot and do not have a seat at the table. While discontent can be positive, it can destroy. The problem is that those things we should be fulfilled with are the very things we find ourselves hopelessly unhappy with. For example, we can find ourselves unhappy with our stuff, our friends and family, our jobs, and even our churches. God must look down at us sometimes and feel the way we feel when we give someone a special gift only for that person to ask for a gift receipt. It's as if we're saying to God, thank you, but I don't like what you've given me. I want to trade it in for something better. The continuous search for something better can place us on a destructive path, and we can miss the true meaning of life. In the parable of the rich fool, Jesus said, take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. In this parable, the farmer was more concerned about his possessions and building a place to hold his things, but he was missing the true meaning of his life. That night, he was about to lose his life, and at that moment, his possessions became insignificant. So many, how many times have you chased something, but at the end of the day, what you were chasing was insignificant? The true question at hand today is, how can we cultivate contentment? And I'm going to walk you through four keys to cultivating satisfaction in your life. John Ortberg, a pastor in California, says that whenever we find ourselves unhappy with something or someone, there are four little words we should say. It could be worse. When you say these four words, you're essentially practicing looking on the bright side or, or finding the silver lining. The sentence recognizes that no matter what we may, that we may not like, the sentence recognizes that no matter what we may not like about something or someone, you can always find something good to focus on, no matter how small it is. In the work that I do, I am constantly reminded of these small four words. As I travel throughout the world and I interact with our brothers and sisters, I am quickly reminded that our material possessions don't mean a thing. A couple of months ago, I was in Germany, and I had the opportunity to sit down with our brothers and sisters who are migrants, and they have migrated into Germany. And the stories that they told us were stories of war and violence and disruption. And after listening to those stories and seeing the joy of their, on their faces, that they didn't care about materialistic things, they were just happy to be in a simple place free of war and violence. The things that I thought in my life that were significant at the moment were no longer significant. The second key to cultivating contentment is to ask yourself, how long will this make me happy? As a child, every Christmas morning, I would wake up and run to the living room to see what Santa had brought the night before. 
And I would stay up all day playing with my toys while mom and dad were cooking in the kitchen for our Christmas dinner. As the weeks would go on, I would play with my toys less and less, and they would begin to collect dust. And then I would ask for new toys for my birthday, which is only two and a half months after Christmas. <laughs> my parents, particularly my father, would tell me, you just got toys two and a half months ago. You don't need new toys. But I would still beg and persist and ask my parents for new toys. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But in those moments when it did, I would play with my new and, sh my new and shiny toys. And those toys that I just received two and a half months ago would continue to collect dust. As adults, we often buy something thinking it's going to make us happy, only to find that the happiness lasts just about as long as it takes for us to open the box. There is a moment of satisfaction when we make the purchase, but that item does not continue to bring us satisfaction over time. In one of my undergrad classes, I learned that consumers choose products, services, and experiences they believe will deliver value by addressing what they want or need at that time. I also learned that emotions that are, are taking place during consumption strongly impact its value. When we are in a state of unhappiness, our hearts quickly diminish the value on these products, goods, and services we are using, and we are constantly searching for the next new shiny thing that's going to take its place. This creates a never-ending cycle for us searching for materialistic things to rest the heart. The third key to cultivating contentment is to develop a grateful heart. In order to move our hearts from a place of being restless to restful, we have to develop a heart of gratitude. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 that we are to give thanks in all circumstances. A grateful heart recognizes that life is a gift. Contentment comes when we spend more time giving thanks than when we are thinking about what's missing or wrong in our lives. One of my favorite songs is Grateful by Hezekiah Walker. I'm not a singer, but I'm going to sing it anyway, and I've asked for a little backup. <laughs> I am grateful for the things that you doesn't say a person is grateful for the surface materialistic things God has done. It gives praise to God from the depths of one's souls for things that, aren't that are intangible. So when is the last time you gave thanks from the depth of your soul for life, for people, 
or that battle God has fought on your behalf. The fourth key we need to ask ourselves is, where does your soul find true satisfaction? The world tells us that we find our satisfaction in the ease and luxury and comfort and money. However, the Bible answers this question very differently. From Genesis to Revelation, it tells us that we find our satisfaction in God and God alone. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 and 39, Jesus said the two most important things we must do are to love your God with all your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. If we keep our focus on these two things, we will find satisfaction with our souls and lasting contentment. I'm reminded of the song Silver and Gold by Kirk Franklin, and I'm not going to sing this one. <laughs> the song begins by saying, silver and gold, silver and gold, I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. No fame or fortune, no riches untold, I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. And then the song continues with, don't give me a mansion on top of a hill. Don't give me the world with a shallow thrill. But just give me a savior, my life he can hold. I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. And I'm going to continue. Then it says, I woke up this morning feeling kind of down. I called on my best friend. She could not be found. But I called on Jesus. My life he can hold. I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. See, this song tells us that no matter what worldly possessions or who is around you, your heart is not going to be content with those materialistic possessions. And it's God that can provide contentment to your heart and for you to say, it is well with my soul. In Apostle Paul's letter to the Philippians, he wrote about the secret of his contentment. He said in Philippians chapter, chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, not, not that I am referring to being in need, for I have learned to be content in whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. Like Paul, we can learn to be content in whatever circumstances we may find ourselves in because our true happiness should not be tied to any materialistic possessions. So friends, we live in a world of free will where you are able to make your own choices and you have a choice to live in a tent. You have the choice to live either in a tent of discontent or in a tent of contentment. You and you alone determine which tent will be yours. You choose in a large part by deciding what life is about. If you decide that life does not consist in the abundance of possessions, then you are choosing contentment. Choosing contentment means that we look to God as our source, giving thanks for what we have, asking God to give us the right perspective on money and possessions and to change our heart each and every day. I encourage you to seek contentment in your heart and not through materialistic things because when it's time for you to go to your heavenly home, your possessions will remain on earth, but peace is everlasting.
Let us pray. Lord, we pray that you might cure us of restless heart syndrome. We are truly sorry for the times when we received gifts you give us and asked for the gift receipt. When we were dissatisfied with the person you entrusted to our care, with our children or parents, with our home or our car, with our health care or our jobs. God, I ask you that you forgive us for the times we've been offended by our discontent. You've been offended by our discontent. Forgive us for being discontent with the things we should not be content with. Lord, we ask you to give us a hunger to pursue righteousness and holiness and justice and love, to long for you and for your will in our lives. Help us to simplify, to get off the treadmill, and to find our peace in you. We ask these mercies in your holy name. Amen.